Gratitude That's my everyday Have you ever looked up at the stars and just wondered what it all means? Asking yourself, how did we get here and where are we going? When I look out into the world, I see so many people getting lost in their stories, rarely thinking about or asking the bigger, unanswerable questions of the universe. Like what's the purpose of life? How did we come to be? And what happens when we die? This is pretty much all I think about. So I decided to start asking others what they thought as well. So grab a cup of coffee, open your mind, and enjoy the conversation. I think I was searching. Once I found a really good career, or once I found a partner, once I became a mother, once I became, once I became, I thought things would start to feel better. So I decided that would be my path. I would become a wife and I would be happy then. And just kept searching. It was like a never-ending search, but I never knew what I was searching for. That's how it kind of felt. Because once you get what you just felt you were searching for, it's not what you thought it was. That was Anna Stoka, today's guest on Quantum Coffee. Really stoked uh, about this conversation we had and sharing it with you guys. Um, Anna is best childhood friends with my now wife, Sarah. Um, and they grew up together and it's, you know, witnessing their friendship is really beautiful. Um, and I really wanted to get, uh, Anna on the podcast to discuss her story, which is really quite amazing. Um, you know, she was searching and searching her whole life and really was looking for some deep, deeper healing. And it wasn't until she saw Sarah or heard about Sarah and her journey to Saltara to drink ayahuasca. A powerful plant medicine psychedelic. Um, if you're not familiar with it, you'll learn a little bit more about it in this podcast. Um, something totally out of the realm of existence for Anna. And for some reason, there was something deep within her that was calling her to go experience this medicine. Um, and it's also a nice lesson and reminder to make sure that if you do decide to um, use these powerful plant medicines uh, in a medicinal healing fashion that you have the proper facilitation and proper integration support because it's very important um, because these deeper psychedelics do uh, take you to different places of consciousness. And it's good to be reminded to have a profound respect for these medicines and the tools that they are. Um, and Anna's story, just she's such so courageous and I'm so proud of her for making the journey halfway across the world to answer the call to do her own deep healing. And I know it's had a profound impact on her life and I'm excited to share her story with you today. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Anna Stoka. And before we get started with the episode, I just wanted to let you guys know about a couple other exciting projects that I'm working on. The first is Life Beyond the Game podcast. If you haven't checked that out, it's a podcast where I bring on former professional athletes to talk about their journey, not only through their sports career, but the transition outside of sports, the unique challenges that come with that. Um, and it's a really cool exploration of these athletes who are more than just their sport and understanding them as human beings. And I'm really excited about where that podcast is headed. 
and really stoked about some of the guests that I have coming up for you guys. So if you haven't checked that out yet, make sure you go check it out at Life Beyond the Game wherever you listen to podcasts. And really exciting news, me and Sarah, my wife, are dropping a new type of reality show audio experience podcast coming out very soon. And we wanted to let you guys know to be the first to hear about it. We put up a website with a pre-subscription. You can put your email in there to stay up to date. When we do launch the podcast, we're going to be launching it in seasons and it's going to chronicle in like a reality show conversational piece with a lot of uh, music and sound effects, um, chronicling our journey where we met uh, and the first season is going to take us on a journey. Are you the listener on a journey of our lives, of conscious relating, um, our pregnancy, how that came to be. And it's going to end with us giving birth at home, which is a very controversial topic. So if you're interested in any of these kind of alternative ways of living uh, and conscious relating and some of the behind the scenes stuff of how we navigate our relationship and how we met in quarantine, got married and now have a baby on the way. Go check that out. It's loveandlifepodcast.com. That's love and the letter N lifepodcast.com and pre-subscribe, put your email list in there. And we're going to have a trailer out very soon for y'all. And without further ado, enjoy this episode. All right, Anna Stoka, what's up? How you doing? Hey, Joey Jojo. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I've been wanting to get you on for quite some time just because you are really good friends with my wife, Sarah. You guys grew up in Australia together, probably one of her longest, oldest friends. Yeah. And yeah. she's shared with me her story, uh, her connection with you, and then kind of how that story's evolved over, you know, really recent within the last year, I think. And um, just really wanted to get get you on to share that story with people because I think it's really quite fascinating. Um, so I think maybe just kind of share a little bit about like where you live, what you do, and then uh, how you know Sarah, maybe you're a little bit of your relationship with her. And then we'll... Uh, We'll dive into the crazy journey you went on, the soul calling that you answered uh, after that. Yeah, great. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on. It's yeah, lovely to see you or uh, talk to you. And so, Sarah and I, we grew up together. We met at primary school, and the two of us were kind of living parallel lives, but we didn't realize it at the time going through the same family breakdowns, going through the same rebellion periods and basically just trying to find ourselves in a world where we didn't feel like other people were doing the same thing. We just, we were just rat bags and but lovable rat bags and we just did everything together and, you know, everything like literally we lost our virginity on the same night and we just we just oh yeah yeah first kiss before that on the same night and we just you know we just get drunk we were the ones that would go and wait outside a bottle and wait for some older person to buy us alcohol and we just we just did we just got up to stuff together and we didn't realize we were both just lost like we were both lost in our families and in ourselves and we just, we just love each other and we just stayed best friends ever since then. And 
throughout everything in our lives. We were just there for each other. And then um, Sarah spent a lot of time away, but we just always kept that connection. And I have been watching Sarah go through these growth, like amazing growth periods. And she's just someone that I've always looked up to. And I, yeah, I always followed her journey, but I didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't understand her journey. I just, I believed in her. I believed in what she told me. If she told me to go and read the breakthrough experience, this book, I I just went, okay, I'll do that. And I would just read it. And I would just, I just knew that she had something that I loved and I believed, but I, I didn't know how to really connect with the words she said. So Sarah was my, my Sarah, my you know bestie, but she also was someone that I looked up to and didn't quite understand the journey that she had been going on the last, well, it was quite, quite a few years really that she's been going on a different journey. Yeah. Wow. Right. And she's, she's grown up with kind of this spiritual understanding, this connection to something greater and so talk a little bit about your journey as far as your, you said before the show that you grew up a little bit of atheist, a little bit of Christian background and how that kind of related and then li- leading up to your decision to go on this wild journey across the world. Yeah. So I grew up atheist. I have atheist parents that um, were brought, they were brought up religious. So they said to me, we are not religious. We will not go to church. But if you want to go to church, then we will take you. Like that's that's your choice. And so my grandmother, who was a devout, born again Christian, you know, the born again people that speak in tongues and like really intense Christian, she wanted me to be saved. So my mum said, "You can go with your grandmother, but I'm not going to be with you." And I started. You know, I was water baptized and I was speaking in tongues and I was. What is what is speaking in tongues like? Yeah, speaking in tongues. Like what, what? Yeah, what is that experience like for you? Like when you say you were speaking in tongues, it was. I would just speak words out of my mouth, and apparently, I was told the devil couldn't hear them, but Jesus and God could. So I would just, I would just. Did you understand what that was, or was it just like noises coming out? And you're just kind of having fun because everybody else is doing it, or was it like? Did you feel like it was a channel that was really connected to something deeper? No, I didn't feel a connection. I just did what I was told. Wow. tried to feel into it. Like I would see my grandmother being really passionate and and it was after like a few years that, and I should add that she actually used to pay us to go to church. She used to pay us money. Mm, that's a nice deal. Yeah. And we used to take us to Get your allowance if you go to church. Yeah, we used to get an allowance to go to church. So my brother and I thought, yep, yeah, great. It's a great deal. Let's just see what happens. And But he and I, would we would sit outside church we were the ones getting in trouble. We were always talking. We were, we weren't focusing and because it wasn't actually, like I see now, it wasn't actually resonating with us. And my brother and I said to each other, are you going to follow, you know, these teachings? Is this going to be your life? And he said to me, I want to, but I don't know. And, and I just started questioning like that. I was probably an early teen and I just started, I remember looking around the room and seeing everyone doing their tithes, which is the, you know, paying money to church. And I just started questioning, what the fuck is all this money getting thrown around for? Mm. Why? And I would see these old ladies getting out their wallets and pile notes, like, you know, like what of notes into a basket. And I just started like looking, thinking that just doesn't really sit right with me because I just didn't, 
I didn't know why it didn't sit right. I just didn't like it. I just thought it was strange and started to question things and started to question my grandmother and she would sort of be very, you know, no, that's the devil, this is God, you know, you can't, that's, these things can't be answered and I would sort of think, oh, that just doesn't really quite sound right to me and I decided I didn't want to go anymore so we had to give up our allowance. Um, it was pretty good too and, yeah, I just, <laughs> I just decided, okay, um, that's just not for me. I'm going to tell my grandmother that being a born-again Christian is not my path and I just stopped and went back to being atheist. So, you know, you die, you go in a box, you get, go on the ground and that's it and full stop. No other deeper belief in anything greater than yourself. You kind of just put it away. I put it away. I said I went down that path. It wasn't for me. I'm going to go back to my mum's path, which is there is nothing. Just leave it. Mm. And just spent the next, I don't know, 15 years in a tumultuous relationship with myself, spinning around, not having a clue where I was going, not looking after myself, abusing my body, just just basically not being very well and not being very happy either. Just but never really understanding why, just always searching. I think I think I was searching. Once I found a really good career, or once I found a partner, once I became a mother, once I became, once I became, I thought things would start to feel better. So I decided that would be my path. I would become a wife and I would be I would be happy then and just kept searching. It was like a never-ending search, but I never knew what I was searching for. That's how it kind of felt. Because once you yeah. get you know, once you find your search and once you get what you just felt you were searching for, it's not what it, what you thought it was. So what do you think on a deeper level you were actually searching for? Well, I, I, really, I, I always say the word healing. Like that is the word I say and I would never, never have actually understood that word prior to the last year or two. But I just wanted, I wanted to feel better in my body. I wanted to feel whole. I wanted to feel more loved. I just, I just wanted to heal in a way, but I, I just didn't know what, what it was or what I was searching for. But yeah, that word healing is the word that has, has always come up for me this last year. Mm. And so fast forwarding to finding that healing, at least the start of the healing journey, talk a little bit um, about where that, that, that kind of searching led you up to now and kind of where it, where it kind of transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. So the searching, so that I thought having the children, the children, as in having children in this life was what I was searching for. So I had my beautiful husband who was very supportive, had my babies fell into deep postnatal depression, had no idea why, even though I had already known that my mother had gone through the exact same thing, a lot worse. I just, I thought, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll be fine. That won't happen to me. And then it happened to me both times. And it was throughout the last, my last baby, my second little, my little girl, I started talking to Sarah more about it. I started saying something's wrong with me. I'm, I'm not moving on from this postnatal depression. I, I don't, I don't know how to fix it. I, I don't know. I just, I just was a bit of a a bit of an anxious mess and I was trying to do so many things to heal physically, literally everything that you can imagine I was doing to heal. Like I was 
I was pretty hardcore with my healing. And what were some of the things that you were doing? Uh, I did like a fecal transplant with my husband interstate. Ooh, that's I, interesting. I just did everything. I did these gut health diets. I did these insane detoxes where I couldn't get out of bed. I just, I went down. None of it worked. None of it worked in the way that you were hoping it would, right? There was still something missing. There was always something missing. It was always like these little stepping stones to better my health, but I never cracked it. I never reached what I was searching for. And Sarah kept saying, it's not all about the physical health. It's other things. And I just kept saying, no, it's fine. I'm just going to do it my way and I'm just going to keep going. And she just looked at me. She, It was a, like a moment where she flew to Brisbane. I think she surprised me. Oh, no, she didn't surprise. She surprised me the time before. She moved to Brisbane, uh, visited me in Brisbane, saw me as an anxious mess and said, okay, look, this isn't this isn't right, Anna. You, you're not getting better. And I just sort of started crying and said, I don't know what else to do because I've done everything. My husband always used to refer to me in an affectionate way as the, the sickest, healthiest person he knew. You know, I, I had literally done everything that I could to heal my body and I wasn't getting the level that I wasn't reaching that health level that I was hoping for. And Sarah decided to hook me up with one of her beautiful friends, Amanda Walker, and do some inner child work. And even though I say that I was atheist, I completely trusted Sarah and I straight away believed in inner child work. You know, I, I was, I guess, intuitive enough to know that these things weren't mumbo jumbo. I started talking to Amanda and really, really feeling into these things and really feeling into those past traumas and the, those past traumas with my, my parents. And just, yeah, I just started feeling like it, I was on a bit of a path to healing whole, like to being whole again and not just the physical, looking after my physical well-being, looking after emotional as well. And I specifically read a quote and said to heal, you need to heal emotionally, physically and spiritually. And I was like, oh, damn it, like another one? Like I'm going to add spiritual onto it as well? You know? And, I, and what, what did spiritual mean to you at that moment when you heard that? I, again, just kept going back to things that Sarah had told me. And because growing up in a house where that was literally mumbo jumbo, that was, it was nonsense. Was it was called nonsense in my house. So I just thought it wasn't anything about church. For me, it was completely separate from the church. and it was something bigger, but I did, again, I didn't really know what it was. I just knew that it was something that I, I needed. So yeah. So I started again, following, just following reading Sarah's writing and starting to read Louise Hay's books. And Louise Hay kept saying things to me that would just smack me in the face. Like she would say, if you are not going to move on from an emotional trauma, it will stay in your body and cause disease. And I, again, I kept thinking, damn it, like I just, these, all these things just kept resonating with me over and over. And I kept thinking, I can't ignore this anymore. This is, this is just, I would just have an audio book going all in the, in the car for weeks and weeks and just think I can't ignore these beautiful words that, that she's saying. And I have to look into this more. And that's when your beautiful wifey went to Soltara 
and told us that it completely changed her life. She told our little group of best friends that it changed her life and she, I heard that it made her sick and I heard that, you know, it was extremely intense and I actually decided not to read her blog. Like I consciously decided not to read it because I thought if I read it then I'm going to understand it. I didn't really want to understand what it was. I just wanted to be open for the first time in my life. I wanted to actually just... <clears throat> Instead of find, trying to find out all the answers that very day, I decided to just be open and deliberately ignored her writing about it and actually called her, I think, and said, I want to go do ayahuasca with you in Sultara. And she's like, okay, yeah. Um, would you like me to come with you or did you think it's something you need to do by yourself? And I said, oh, just give me a moment and I'll I'll." I'll mull over that and I thought about it and I thought no I need my Sarah I think this is something that we have to do together and I didn't know I didn't know why I just knew that Sarah had to be there and she said yep great she booked her tickets I booked mine and I should just quickly add that when I went to book before I booked I sat my beautiful supportive husband down when we were in the middle of building our dream home I was breastfeeding my baby. We had a toddler and I sat him down and said, "Hun, I have to go to Costa Rica to go and drink plant medicine with Sarah. And he said, no fucking way. Like, no. <laughs> Shit. We're building a house. I, I physically don't have any more time in my schedule to allow you to go away for two weeks. And I... I just cried my eyes out and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, but if I don't go, I know that I'm going to fall into my mother's footsteps. And I didn't add this before, but my beautiful mum was going through stage four lymphoma cancer. And I said to him, I am my mother and I'm just behind my mother's health journey. And if I don't go, I'm going to, I'm going to die of cancer just like my mum. Is, you know, and he just, he, he saw that in me. He straight away saw me, what I said, and he said, we will do what it takes. And that's what he literally just changed. He said, we will do what it takes. It just sounded, I will never forget that conversation because it, it, the words came, coming out of our mouths sounded crazy, but we just, he, he saw me and he believed me and he just said, I'll, I will do what, what, what I need to do for you. So, yeah. Um, Went, went to Costa Rica, said goodbye to my family with a bit of a numb, like quite numbness about me. I felt, I felt I had just numbed myself for my entire life because I didn't understand how to be whole. I felt quite numb at the airport and as soon as I said goodbye, I just felt relief. I felt like I could finally focus on me and what that meant. I didn't even know what it meant. I just knew that it meant that I needed to do something drastic to stop the, the pattern, to put my foot in the sand. Even though I didn't know what the freaking sand meant, I need, knew I needed to put my foot in the sand and stop this pattern that was happening in my family and the women in my family and the health and the extreme anxiety and depression that seemed to kind of be running through people in my family. And I went to Sultara with Sarah and I had looked, I had read about 
ayahuasca, I had read about the effects that it has on you and I had watched some videos on it. But I can't explain that if you don't understand, you're, you're so intuitive and you've had this open mind that if you come from a, a closed mind and growing up that spirituality spirituality was nonsense, when you read about ayahuasca, you don't actually understand what it means. You not, I mean, That's hard to believe, right? yeah, like some people probably know what it means a lot more than me, but I just couldn't quite understand what it meant when they said the healing is on a different realm. Like, the, you know, I didn't really grasp what that meant and just knew that I needed it. And yeah, went to do ayahuasca in Costa Rica at the beautiful Sultara Healing Center. And I just dove in, just dove in with the literally with the dosage I just dove in I had as much as I physically could handle and I went hard <laughs> oh my goodness so just to paint the picture you live in Australia so you living leaving your family for two whole weeks it was like 35 hours travel time to this place that you really didn't understand you felt this obviously there's some kind of soul calling that you're answering this intuitive hit that how do you explain that like before Iowa, I mean, I, I assume you understand it a little bit more because it's changed your life so much. But like when you were going through it, was it just like a trust yourself, trust the universe? Were you starting to believe in something a little bit higher that was guiding you? Or is just like you were so deep in the kind of pain and suffering that you're like, I'll try anything? I think it was a mixture. It was a mix. It was a trust in Sarah. It was a trust that she had been my but been there for me my entire life and had been able to see through all the masks I put on to try to get by in life. She was always able to crack me open and I trusted her. I trusted that whatever it was, was going to heal me. I just, it, it was, it was part of a last resort, but it, but it was a last resort in a sense that I have found something that I've needed but it wasn't, it, I didn't go higher. I didn't look to the greater universe because I wasn't actually capable of doing that at the time. I just went to the trust. And for somebody that like is so like does so much research and is kind of has this like anxious energy of like wanting to know everything and learning about everything for you to be like, I'm not going to dive deep into this. I'm just going to trust, yeah. get on a plane and trust like, yeah. wow, that's so beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I literally do. Like the courage it takes to go into the unknown, especially with a powerful plant medicine, psychedelic healing medicine. I mean, it's just the courage it takes. I just want to commend you on that. And it's it's so beautiful. And your and your loving husband, like that conversation just made me start tearing up because it's so beautiful when you like showed up and you're like, no, this is what I need. And you like the energy that you showed, he saw you and he knew in that moment that this is what we all need. Oh man, it's, it's really beautiful. And I, I just, I'm really proud of you for answering that call. I don't think a lot of people would. Um, so talk about, you get to Saltara, you don't really know what ayahuasca is. You have an idea that it's this plant medicine, but you don't know what the experience really is going to be like. I don't think anybody really does until they do it. And that, that comes with a lot of fear too. Were you fearful when you went in? I had zero fear because I actually thought there would be a lot of, um, I thought there would be a lot of talking and a lot of emotional support. I thought, like during the ceremony? Yeah, I did. I thought it would be <laughs> I did. I thought it would be a place where 
you would then get to, because I've always grasped at people. I've grasped at Sarah. I've grasped at my husband. I've always grasped for people to help me through things. So I trusted the people there. And when I sat in the ceremony and realised that it was not about the people, it was about me sitting with myself, I had to just let it be. I, I just said, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And during my first ceremony, well, the first was quite mild, so I don't really consider that a massive breakthrough. But during the second ceremony, I actually lay on my mattress like a starfish and actually looked at the, the, the sky through the maloka and just said, okay, I'm ready. I'm here. I've come here to heal and let me have it. Like I just said, I am open to whatever I need to do from here. And it was, it was a extremely intense feeling. It was like every single cell in my body wanted to explode. It was, I've never experienced the physical feeling of a psychedelic before, obviously. And the, the light bulbs, it was just like going through a maze of light bulbs. It was just light bulbs, light bulbs, just bursting. And I was going, I went through the hysterical laughing, hysterical crying, just light bulb moments. And I kept saying, I went through this talking period where I couldn't stop speaking. And I was going over and over and over as softly as I could. So I didn't interrupt other people, but I was just saying over and over, this is what I've been searching for my whole life. Like Mm. actually, um, I was searching for something and I knew I was searching for something and reaching for something my entire life in a, in a home and a supportive, beautiful family who, outside of my husband who had no idea what spirituality was about. I couldn't, I, I just knew there was more out there outside my circle and it was just, it was really beautiful. It was, I have finally found and I understand why I'm here. You know, it, it didn't feel scary. It felt just so right and so beautiful. And the set, the connection with Sarah, I just thought, I, I just kept, I actually kept saying over and over, my Sarah, my Sarah, my Sarah. She was my guiding light my entire life. I just followed her. And by following her and trusting her, my, my whole life completely exploded in the most extreme way but in the perfect way that it needed to happen so that was just this light bulb beautiful exploding ceremony and I had a couple of couple of those a couple of intense again I had known about family trauma I had known about I'd read about about healing I had read about the the way if you heal yourself you will heal the people around you so I just deep dived. I mean, I was spewing my guts up. I was so sick and I just, I just kept closing my eyes and just, just kept, I feel like I just kept pushing to just see and feel. And I just kept, I would see my brother, I would see my mom dying of cancer. I was just, things were just, they were so painful to see and so painful to feel, but I just kept going back because I, I, I reflected on the fact that I was overseas away from my family on a once in a lifetime opportunity. This wasn't something I could come back to in three months, six months. I, it was like, a, a what's the word? Like just a, it just a complete dive in 
or this is your last chance. That's how it felt. So Mm -hmm. it was a lot of that. It was a lot of diving in, a lot of crying, a lot of processing childhood emotions, a lot of seeing my husband and my children and just apologizing for being in such a depressive state that I felt I wasn't my best self and I could, but I couldn't help it. I just kept saying I did my best. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I couldn't be there for you. Said that to my children. I'm sorry. I couldn't be the mum you needed, but I'm here to heal and I'm coming home. And I don't know what that looks like yet, but I know that I'm coming home to be the mum that you need. And it was just, yeah, it was like, I took myself through therapy for those ceremonies, just an intense, an intense, um, very sick therapy. That's how, that's what that was. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, A lot of, uh, a lot of people say that you want to do ayahuasca, um, is like 10 years of therapy in one ceremony. And it definitely feels like that. And ayahuasca, it's really beautiful that we're connected through that too, because Soltara is the first place I went and did my ayahuasca for the first time, the first journey. And the way they set it up there is really, it's a really safe, beautiful place where they guide you through. And you're there for six or seven days. You do four ceremonies, Monday, Tuesday, you take Wednesday off, then you go Thursday, Friday. So talk a little bit about your journey through the week. Like the first time you experienced you know, something bigger than yourself, a greater intelligence, the divine God, whatever you want to call it. You had this experience um, that nobody can really take away from you, which is really, you know, eye-opening, obviously a lot to integrate there. Um, When you went back into each ceremony, was each ceremony really different? What was that kind of overarching theme? And then how did you integrate that afterwards? So the overarching theme, again, the word healing, because that is what I went for. I went for healing. So I would ask the medicine, show me how to heal. So each ceremony was a different level. So the first level was it was showing me my connection with love and how I found love in food and developed an eating disorder as a teenager and had that for a lot of my life. So that was kind of chipping away at what I had inside me. So that showed me love. It was love. I was searching for love. I was searching for the love that my parents were not able to give me. They were not able to give me what I needed and they did their best. And that's what I kept seeing my parents. They did their best. I just needed something different, not something more. And the ceremonies went through this process of showing me to heal is to show it showed me that I have to love myself so the processes went like I went through these processes about my body and I loved I started to really really love my body and apologize to my body the way I abandoned it and was not connected and abused abused my body for many years and it was it was everything every ceremony just kept taking me back to myself and Every time I tried to reach for other people because I was I was this reacher by nature, reaching for someone else to help help me through, I would literally reach to the people around me and then I would keep coming back to myself. I would reach for the ground. I was I was I was literally writhing in my in my body. It was very, very uncomfortable experience physically and emotionally, but I just kept the medicine kept sort of taking me back to myself. And throughout those, so up until the Friday morning, I was going through this journey with myself, connecting with my body, which helped me connect again with my husband and my babies. And I felt like I had 
discovered that it was about coming back to yourself and loving yourself and that is how you heal. And I thought I had um, tick, 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 you know, me with my little analytical brain. I'm like, yep, done that, awesome. I've done some healing. I'm going to go home and I'm going to integrate the love I have for myself. And I remember wrapping my arms around myself and just feeling like the love within the room, the, the people that we connected with was like something I have never experienced going from the first day when Sarah would say, have a look around, you're going to love these people. And mm. I said, oh, really? Okay. And then <laughs> by day five, I said, oh, I feel it. Like I just felt so much love and connection and wanted to just, I didn't want to, I didn't really didn't want to leave because I just felt, I've never felt the love and the connection like I did in, at Saltara before. And the last night, one of the facil- the head facilitators said, and Sarah had also mentioned to me as well, she said, this is, that they said, this is the last ceremony. So the shamans will close your crown chakra and this will be like you can do maybe a half dose and really start to close back up again and start to integrate. And then he said, unless you have more work to do and then you need to do what you need to do. And as soon as he mm. said that, I actually my I actually sunk and said, "That's exactly what I need to do." I'm still I'm not I haven't got to what I need. And I just I, I, it's this intuition that is such a ma- an amazing thing because I didn't know what he meant, and most people in the room did what he said, and they took like half a dose or they they kind of slowed down a little bit, and I just said, "Well." here we go. I'm up for another full cup. And I just said, I've got to bring it. I've got one, one more night to really tap into what, what has, what I've been, I don't, I want to say the word missing, but something that I have failed, I have not been able to connect with before. I said, I just need to do a full cup and I need to go hard. So that's how I interpreted his, unless you have more work to do. And I interpreted it. All right, I'm going hard. That's it. Yep. I'm here for this and I was the first person to drink and I was so excited and I was completely, had zero fear, zero fear and had been speaking to Sarah and a couple of our friends that day and they said, it's amazing that you aren't fearful. And I said, I'm, I have to do this. Like, not, not, I didn't know, there was not a single person there that left a, breastfed, a breastfeeding baby at home. You know, like mm. this, this to me. Was, this is it. This is why I'm here. This is, this was, it was hard, very hard on my family. I just, I had to do everything I could. And I drank my full cup and within five minutes I was violently ill and actually thought to myself, wow, like how am I going to get through tonight? Like this is, you know, people, most people were still completely sober, hadn't even had their drink yet. And I was, I was off, I was off. I had just completely started to explode and pretty much before the shamans had started to sing it was still silent and we were it was our little period where we were able to start to feel the medicine it was meant to be kind of like you know just the get dip your toes in the water time and I was shot into the universe and the other ceremonies had all been so important and about my family and myself and trauma and healing and so 
internal, like literally internal, there was a ceremony where I felt like things were climbing out of my stomach and I just had to let it happen, even though, it, you know, the movie, that, that movie Aliens, where the, the alien oh, comes out of yeah. my stomach, that's how it felt. Yeah. Um, so yeah. by that ceremony, I was shot to the universe and I was floating in the universe with all the dead souls in the world and it was this extremely, extremely, like if I could explain someone ripping out my brain and throwing it into the universe and that's that's kind of how it felt. Wow. And, yeah, I, I opened my eyes because it was, it was a lot to take in. It was a lot to take in. I opened my eyes. I looked around at the facilitators just floating around like angels, little supportive angels there for you if you need them. And I straight away looked at them and I said, how fucking dare they let me do this? How dare they let me do this? And then I said, Sarah should never have let me come. And it was this extreme, my ego just, I was obliterated. I All I felt in that moment that I was shot to the universe, it felt like every, for the last 38 years I was asleep and now is it 30 39 years I was asleep and that one shoot off to the universe made me see the world for what it was that's how it felt and that pain of feeling like your entire life was a lie felt way too much to handle and that is why I blamed I blamed everybody else that that made me come there which is complete bullshit because I did it all myself there was nobody except me that wanted to do it. I just couldn't quite understand how after 39 years of believing something, it was it was just, yeah, I, I guess I can't even explain it. I guess it would have to be just a, an awakening, that feeling of ripping the cloth away from your eyes and seeing the entire universe for what it was and feeling very, very scared, very, like terrified. I was terrified. I was very, very sad that it was, it was like the knowing. The knowing had been shoved into my eyes and I wasn't ready for the knowing. That's how it felt. And then there was a lot of a lot of melting into the earth, a lot of like my body was just melting and becoming becoming one with the earth and it was not comfortable. It was, I went through a very, very intense, painful, physical, sick, sickening ceremony and pretty much came, but by the time I came out of it, I knew I was never, ever going to be the same again and we were allowed to speak and I, I held the hand with, the beautiful man next to me and I told him that I just had a very, very scary experience and that I was shaking, you know, kind of shaking. And and then I started kind of like smiling and he said, he said to me later, he said, you can have, he said, you're somebody that can go and have a really, really tough experience and then you can hold my hand and you can smile. He said, he said, all I knew was no matter how tough it was, the tough ones are what help you and what to help what help you heal. So he said, I just looked at you and thought, she's gonna be okay. No matter how she's feeling right now, she's gonna be okay. And that's and that's true. That's exactly what it was. It was it was a a very, very intense night, but 
it was exactly what I needed. Mm, usually always is. Um, that's beautiful. I really appreciate you sharing. So how did you integrate this, you know, huge awakening and this journey of a week in the jungle, drinking medicine and just learning about yourself, learning about the universe, doing some deep healing, and then coming back, um, to your family and your husband and, you know, how your entire world view just shifted. What's that integration been like? It was pretty horrible, actually. Um, I didn't actually come down off that experience for about 35 hours. I, I did push myself a lot. I did have a lot of medicine. I didn't sleep. I lost five kilograms, like not from trying to lose weight. I just, my body was just literally purging like constantly. And it took, yeah, about 30 hours. I had to have the shamans had to come back and sit with me. And and all I kept saying is I just, I I can't be, I'm not the same. I'm not the same person. And the facilitator said, what are you afraid of? And I said, I'm not a mum anymore. I'm not me. I'm I'm different. Like how am I going to go home again? And he said, the feeling that you're feeling right now, I promise will pass. He said, the feeling like you can never be a mother. Because to me, I was just part of the earth. I was part of the stars. I was part of the dirt. I was not a mother anymore. I was, and all I longed for was to go back to my mum's couch with my kids and play a board game. Like I just, all I wanted to do was go and sit in, in the unknowing. You know, I wanted to go back to, to feeling like the only thing in the world was us. That's what I wanted. And the scary feeling that I just couldn't go back to it ever again because once you have seen or and felt something, you, you can't undo that. I just couldn't. I could. I just couldn't come into. I just. I just couldn't come down from it. And and physically as well. Like my. I actually, they thought that I was in maybe in a little bit of a schizophrenic state because I had been ripped open so quickly, and it was so drastic that I couldn't. I just couldn't come down from from the experience. So. I couldn't sleep for two days. I was still in this in a psychedelic journey just for two days, just couldn't. And if people would look at me and say, are you still in it? And I would start thinking, I've broken, I've broken myself. I'm never, ever going to be normal ever again. And, and that isn't true. But when you've never experienced it before, you don't, you don't know that in the moment. You think, I think, <clears throat> I thought maybe I had entered a state of schizophrenia that I couldn't come out of. So that was really scary. But when it did, on the Sunday morning, it finally passed. So that was Friday. And then on the Sunday morning, I came back to my body again and was so grateful that I could actually come back to my body and go home. But when I did go home, I kept going back into that psychedelic experience. So the first day I was in our house and I had, it was a beautiful reunion with my family and my children because I had, I had understood my children on a completely different level now. And as I was, I was sitting with my husband and I started just bawling my eyes out and shaking and crying. And he said, he said, I'm here for you. I'm not leaving. I'm here. Don't, you don't need to be afraid. And I just, it was like I was back at Saltara again. I could feel the, the psychedelic experience just happening again. And I was just, I was just hysterical and he took me down to our creek. We have a creek, you know, on our property. And he said, put your feet in the earth now. Put your feet in the water. Let the water rush over you. Ground yourself. He said, you, you can, you can. It was just it was so freaking amazing. You just connect to the earth. He said, the earth is here for you. I'm here for you. And 
I was just back in the stars again. I just, yeah, I just couldn't. That that universe that I was shot into, that was what I was back in constantly getting back into that state. And he just kept, just kept, he was so patient and just kept reminding me that I've just got to keep touching the earth. And so for the next probably two, three months, I just bawled my eyes out every day and would have more, like time alone and just sit out near the trees and just and just cry and just miss the family that at Saltara and then and miss Sarah and just it just felt like I had two different worlds. I felt like there was me in the universe with the people that understood and then there was my family. And the guilt that I felt because my family was so supportive, my beautiful husband did everything to get me to go through this experience. I felt a lot of guilt that I couldn't, I couldn't come back. And he said to me one night, he said, you're worse than you were before you left. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't help it. I, I don't know what to do. And it was, it was just a lot of, I did a few um, healing sessions. I did some energy work. I did, I just leaned on some beautifully spiritual women that really helped me come back to earth again and and the more grounded I became the more I was able to connect back with my husband and my children and they would sort of they felt it too so my children would wake up crying in the night for me and and I would use those at times to to go and cuddle them and and say sorry to them for, for abandoning them because that's what I, that's literally what happened I I abandoned them because I didn't know what else to do and emotionally and physically abandoned them but I, I just kept going back to sitting in nature talking to Sarah talking to my husband and just and just hugging my kids and and I did find a bit of solace when people would say you have just gone through something that is extremely messy and it will get easier and hearing those words was the only thing that made me keep going because at one point, I, I actually told Sarah that I didn't want to live anymore because it was it was just too much. I, it was there was I keep explaining it that my my myself and my brain and my and my soul everything just kept shooting back to the stars. So it was so important to keep grounded, and I just spent yeah I just spent months and months practicing grounding myself and. But going back into those, what I felt painful, I just kept going back into the experiences and attempting to reconcile what had happened. And, and then it started to feel more beautiful. It started to feel, you know, that when we had this, we had the lockdowns happen and we had all the big, all the big world stuff happen. And that's, that, that did send me spiraling a little bit again, but I was able to, with my husband and with Sarah and with you even, Joe. I was just able to keep reminding myself that being here is the journey. Being in this moment and being like, being with my family and being on this property, I didn't say before, but my husband moved us to Acreage because he wanted specifically me to connect to the earth and he wanted our children to connect to the earth. So I had this beautiful property to to lean on and and I was just able to slowly 
slowly breathed my way through it. I did a couple of women's retreat. I did a women's retreat. I with some beautiful women that I, I seemed to just come across other women that had done ayahuasca, which felt really calming to me because they kind of understood why I was why I was so traumatized. And they kept saying, and I had a beautiful American girl that um, Michelle Hobart that went through exactly the same experience. She had a she had a huge awakening with ayahuasca and was diagnosed bipolar after it because she had been completely ripped open. So having her, she's the most beautiful soul ever, and so having her to lean on was also really helpful. And it just became part of part of my gratitude. Eventually, you know, it's nearly a year later and and I deep down know that there was no way that I was ever going to reach this level that I've reached without doing the medicine. It was it was what I needed. It needed to be brutal. And as much as it it traumatized me, I will I'll never ever stop being grateful for it. Mm. Wow. Thanks for sharing and being so open and honest and vulnerable uh, about the journey. Um, it's quite intense uh, coming back and having to process all that and having such a huge awakening and not knowing how to ground. I definitely feel, you know, I felt that too. It's like, I feel like there's two types of people, people that have drinking ayahuasca and people that haven't because it's such a unique experience and it shows you so viscerally these questions we've always had about the universe or like what it all means. And you actually have an experience of it. It's quite difficult to integrate into the reality that we all live in, in this society and cultures and the stories that we've created. Um, I, I was, while we were talking, I was thinking like, you know, how challenging it was to integrate all that. Is it something that you would re- recommend to, to others? And like, are you, I mean, you said you're grateful now because of, the lessons that it's provided and it has, you know, provided some deep healing work, but is it something that you'd recommend to others or like, what's the advice you'd give for someone else that's looking for some kind of deep healing? I have actually had people come to me over this year and asked if I recommended it to them. And what I feel is it's that the, the women that I've spoken to that are, they're, they're quite open spiritually. And I think that that would be not as, traumatizing for them because they were you know they already um believed in that psychic connection with other people and they and they just have so many open beliefs that I actually say yeah I think I think it would be a would be a good thing for certain people I also think that yeah I originally when I was there I it was something I wanted everyone to do I wanted my brother to do it I wanted my mom my mom to experience it my husband to experience it but afterwards I actually thought for now, I don't tell, I won't let, (laughs) I wouldn't recommend anyone in my family to do it, but definitely people who have been on the path, maybe a little bit longer than me, that would, it would not be so brutal. And a lot of the reading I've done this year was around the ego. And for people who are a hundred percent living in their ego, it can be too traumatizing. Like it can be it can rip you open so far that it's hard to pull back together. And if you didn't, if I didn't have the support, I mean, having my husband who intuitively knew exactly how to, how to help me as much as it did rip us apart a bit, he intuitively knew how to help. So when I, as an example, went to my 
family's house afterwards, I was, I may as well be talking to ghosts. I couldn't connect to them. So it would be really tricky for someone if they didn't have any support around them to do it because I just remember sitting in my mum's house having to kind of sit down because I could, I was getting dizzy from just being around people that didn't understand. And I was just sitting there in silence thinking, I'm not the same as these people anymore. And, and that, that feeling has gone. It just now I know, I, I know that I'm not the same as my family, my extended family, and that's okay not to be the same. But at the beginning it, it was, it was, it was very, very uncomfortable and it was very hard to relate. I know people say that you can lose a lot of, you can lose people when you, when you do medicine because it, it can create these divides. And I, again, your beautiful wife said a few things to me about that's their journey. They're not just because they haven't had a spiritual awakening and they don't really believe what you've just gone through. That's, that's just their journey. And they're, and they're, that's, you need to respect that journey. So I'm able to, yeah, I'm able to respect it a bit more and just understand that some people don't need this and some people aren't ready for this. And I just knew that I was. And now that I'm, I'm here, I, I mean, I, I just literally today finished a nine day cleanse with the medical medium. And I would not have found the medical medium if I hadn't have done ayahuasca. You know, I, because when I, when I read about the medical medium in one of my health groups, they all told me, just ignore it. Don't just take it with a grain of salt. He's spiritual. He gets his, he gets his um, teachings from spirit. It's a load of crap. And I, as soon as I heard that he gets his teachings from spirit, I said, great. And I ordered all of his books online. That's my person. That's my person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it has given me beautiful paths now that I can go down, which I wouldn't have, wouldn't have been able to access before that knowing that what he was writing about was just, it resonated with me so much. So yeah, I, I am grateful. Yeah. Talk about how your, your um, belief of God or the universe or spirit, spirit, you know, before you're an atheist, you have this experience I mean, how would you explain your beliefs or your connection to God now? I try, I, I try to not take on what other people say because I don't know if it's if I'm just learning with the beautiful people around me now or if it's something I'm feeling. But what I, what I felt on the night was there wasn't a God. What I felt was a connection with all living things and that, to me, felt like God. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's not a ta- it's not tangible. But then, it, at the at the same time, it actually is tangible, and you can ground yourself and be with God, and be with the earth and people and and the sky, and and it can be a it's to me it's just a feeling of connection. So yeah, that's. That's how it feels. Beautiful. That's really beautifully put. I, I would agree. I mean, it's, it's, well, first of all, it's ineffable. It's, it's hard to put into words. I think that's why we have so many different religious beliefs and different philosophies and everybody trying to explore these deeper questions. It's one of the reasons I started this podcast is because we all have our own experience of whatever the intelligence that created this experience is. Um, and so it's really beautiful. I, I, I definitely feel 
you know, deeply connected to everything. I feel like there's this, this oneness. Um, I don't think God is separate from us, but at the same time, he is not us, but we are it. And it's, it's, it's just such a paradox, right? Um, so final question that I kind of ask everybody to wrap it up is, uh, what do you think happens when we die? And I mean, I, I think your perspective is so good because you were atheist before you had the spiritual awakening, you experienced God and then you, you know, now have that. So how has your experience kind of evolved from before this experience and after, as far as uh, what you believe when you, when you die? Yeah. So like, like you said, I was quite atheist and starting to read things about spirit before I did ayahuasca. I, I did believe, but I also didn't because I hadn't experienced it. So I started to feel like maybe there are spirits around us, but I want to see it first. That was kind of, you know, I need to take that box off before I believe it. And after that Friday night awakening, I felt like we are just in the universe and what I was seeing was just a feeling that we don't ever die. We never die. And I wanted to tell people, that's how it felt when I opened my eyes, I wanted to tell people who'd lost loved ones that they're not actually gone. They're not gone. They are always here. And, and again, I don't really know what that looks like. It's just a feeling of, you know, do we come back as somebody else or are, is that one person coming back in a different body? I don't know what that feels. I don't know. I just felt like, we weren't ever disappearing. And I said to my husband the other night, I said, we, do you believe that there would be spirits all around us? And he said, of course. He said, he said, we just, we can't think that, that it, people will just disappear forever. It's, you know, we're all, we're eternal. So as much as I don't know if there's somebody next to me right now, it's not, I don't even need to know. I just felt, I just got a feeling that we don't go away. We just change and mm-hmm. turn into something or some or someone or uh, yeah. It's just a feeling of never ending. That's the feeling. Yeah, eternity is a hard thing to comprehend, yeah. right? Yes, because I mean, even like a lot of religious beliefs, like eternity. It's like first of all, eternity is not just forward; it's backward as well. Yeah. It's like eternity. It, there's no actual eternity is not even like a linear thing. It's like always now yeah. is eternity. Like it's cons. It's yeah. It's just it's hard to even comprehend. That's part of the ineffable experience of you know life that we get to have and God. And it's really cool that we get to explore these questions. And I really appreciate your courage of you know just showing up on the show and kind of sharing so openly and vulnerably, but also you know answering the call to go across the world because you wanted to do some deep healing. And I think there's going to be a lot of people that get a lot out of this. Um, you know, even if just, you know, going to experience these plant medicines to really take it uh, and respect, you know, I I've learned to really respect the exploration of consciousness because, um, it can be a little bit ungrounding at times, right. And, and ethereal. And it's, I've definitely experienced that myself and I definitely have a lot more respect for it now. So anybody out there who is, feeling called to go work with these medicines, definitely do it in a safe way at a safe place in a ceremonial container with the right kind of people. Cause there's plenty of stories out there of people not having the right kind of support and it really, you know, having an effect on them. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being such a beautiful host and listening to my story. And yeah, it was, it was yeah, always emotional going back to it, which, yeah, it was great. I'm sure. I mean, it's like life changing. It's literally it changed your life forever. And, and I'm really you know grateful to be on this journey with you. And I know that, you know, it was tough for the first few months, but I, it seems like you're doing really well and you're integrating it. And I know it's one of those things that when you're going through it, it's really tough to navigate, but now it's like, you, you really can't go back to sleep. Yeah. You know? So it's like, you, you just kind of just continue to explore and, and do the healing work and the journey never ends. It's part of why we're here. Like you said, like, this is life. Yeah. Exactly. It is. And that's what my husband always keeps saying, said, that's why every day is special and you need to be in your life and love your life every day. Mm. <laughs> little guru. I love it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll definitely do this again. I really appreciate you taking time all the way over there in Australia. Thank you, Joe. Maybe we'll come on. I know you're getting into the conspiracy theories. Maybe I'll have you on to talk about all of the yeah. conspiracy theories. Would that be fun? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, cool. I'll talk to you soon. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Special thank you to Anna for taking the time all the way from Australia to jump on uh, the conversation with me and share her story so openly and vulnerably, uh, really had a powerful impact on me. Although I heard that story kind of from a distance from her and Sarah communicating, I never heard it directly and boy, uh, got me choked up a couple times and, uh, definitely was a huge reminder that if we do decide to use psychedelic plant medicine, um, for healing to do it, uh, and with the proper facilitation, and the proper kind of shamans and medicine workers that know what they're doing and uh, making sure we have proper support in the world around us to integrate these experiences. Um, some of them can be very profound. And it, as, as Anna shared, it's very difficult sometimes to integrate those experiences into normal everyday life. I guess you realize uh, normal isn't so normal after experiences like that. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys listening. And I would love to hear your feedback. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, please uh, leave a review, rate it, share it with your friends. Uh, it goes a long way into supporting what I'm trying to do, getting this message of positivity and love out to the world. I really appreciate you guys taking the time. And if you guys want to reach out to me, uh, reach out to me directly on Instagram at joe.holly. I would love to hear from you. And until next time, peace.